0: Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher.
1: And I'm Michelle Ridfin.
0: And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle.
1: Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand-in-hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass Boot Camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time, and you'll be working through in three weeks, so yes, it's short, sharp, and high-impact all of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So you'll cover BQ, EQ and SQ and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction.
0: You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Welcome to the Lead to Soar podcast. I'm Mel Butcher, the producer of the show, and we have a lovely interview lined up for you on this episode 28 season three of lead to soar michelle redfern is joined by our guest cheryl morrison deutsch cheryl morrison deutsch is the ceo of zillion she brings almost three decades of experience in translating business and technology requirements into actionable plans to provide superior user experiences Morrison Deutsch most recently served as Executive Director of Customer Experience, Collaboration, and Transformation at Kronos. Prior to this, she was a thought leader at Cloud Technology Partners, a premier cloud services and software company serving Fortune 500 companies, developing technical and organizational strategies to support customers' business transformations. Morrison Deutsch also served as Chief Application Officer at Health Dialogue, where she oversaw the design, development, and implementation of a proprietary coaching application developed to convert predictive analytics into easily digestible, contextual patient information. She joins us today to share her career story and her philosophies on leadership. Welcome, Cheryl, to Lead to Soar.
1: Listeners, Welcome back to Lead to Saw. This is your host, Michelle Redfern. It is terrific to be with you again. Today, I'm very fortunate to have with me a CEO and uh, the CEO is uh, Cheryl Morrison-Deutsch and she is the CEO of Zillion. Cheryl was appointed as CEO um, in 2021 and she's got bucket loads of experience over three decades Developing superior digital experiences in digital health and business transformation sectors. I want to quote Cheryl before I'm going to hand over to her. Upon her appointment as CEO of Zillion, this is what Cheryl said. The last year has been transformative for all of us as individuals, as well as for Zillion as a business. From pivoting to support people's mental and physical resilience during the pandemic to relaunching the Zillion platform, which helps other companies bring their own health and wellness programs, ambitions to life. There is significant growth opportunity ahead of us. I'm proud to lead the amazing team at Zillion as we continue to make a positive impact on people's lives through digital programs available to serve their needs through our own programs and the programs of our customers. Zillion's role in seamlessly integrating these programs into members' lives fulfills our core mission as a company. I really appreciate that statement by Cheryl because it captures our leadership philosophy over, over at Lead to Soar perfectly. Which is, leadership is using the greatness in me to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. Cheryl refers to the leadership focus she has on transformation, growth, people, customers and the Zillion Core mission. Welcome to the pod, Cheryl.
2: Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So Cheryl, firstly, let's uh, let's hear a little bit about you. So I've just given a a brief snapshot. When you bump into someone uh, in the street or at, at a function, not that we go to many functions these days. And they say, what is it that you do and and what's Zillion? How do you how do you respond?
2: Great. Thank you. Um, so the best way to sum up Zillion for me is Zillion's a company with a mission. We have a mission that we want to help as many people as possible live happier, healthier lives for themselves, their families and their communities. And it's really as simple as that. But we have to do it in two different ways. First, we do it through our SaaS platform that helps organizations bring their programs of care online to reach their members outside the four walls of any office or facility. We have a unique combination of technology, content, and support services that allows organizations to focus on what they do best and let us provide the rest. But along with that, we also have two and soon to be three programs of care on our own platform. One of those programs is focused on chronic condition management. Another is focused on resilience and mental health which is especially uh, topical over the last year. Um, And a new one that we'll be launching and probably announcing in the next six to eight weeks is focused on women's health and menopause. Having these programs is to us kind of like eating our own cooking. Um, Having our our, our own programs on our platform allows us to really understand and be close to the users of our system and help develop credibility in those organizations that we help. I've been with Zillion about five years now, and I started off at Zillion in the role of chief experience officer. In that role, I really focused and worried about the experience that every stakeholder had with Zillion. So that included our end users, the people actually using the software, our customers, and also our employees. Um, And then today in my role as president and CEO, I have that experience still as a huge focus for me. But also as CEO, I am focused on overall company plan, including sales, marketing, financial planning, and analysis.
1: Oh, you haven't got much on, really. Goodness gracious. <laughs> a little bit to do. <laughs> yeah, just ju- just a little bit. And when you think about your younger self, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people and, and whoever I meet. So when you think about your younger self, you know whether it's your 15-year-old self, 18, 21, however you define young. And you were thinking about your future and what your your bright career that's soaring uh, future. How did you picture it? How did you picture your career panning out and what has actually happened versus that picture you had when you were a younger person? So I am sure I am not alone in this, but if I really looked back
2: to the days when I was I graduated from high school and was getting ready to enter college, there's very little about what I thought I was going to do that when I think about what I do today that I could have been able to predict. Back then, I was, truthfully, I applied to photography school and I wanted to be a photographer. That Uh, was my passion. I loved expressing myself. So it was a completely different mindset and a different type of role and experience. But actually, when I look back to all the different places that led me to where I am today, while I didn't know it at the time, I can see how each one of those experiences gave me something, whether it be a skill, a memory, uh, an idea that I use today, but as I was going through it, I definitely would not have, have realized that's where I was going.
1: And so what was the, so you, you, are kind of heading into college thinking photography, where did you diverge from that and why? I actually
2: never went to photography school. Um, at mm-hmm. the very last moment, um, through conversations with my parents, they were thinking about, um, why I was going to photography school I realized I wanted a very different experience than that and so I went down a much more traditional route applied to a four-year private college where I studied psychology education and a little bit of business so it it completely took a right-hand turn at the very last minute um, because I, I just I wanted something different and through that I realized that I really did like working with people I liked helping people and went on from there actually to get my master's in education where I specialized in higher education administration and counseling. Again, not what I'm doing today, but all pieces Mm. of the role that I think I ended up playing today. So I ended up working in the college setting for a few years and working with students and helping them grow and develop and learn. And I went from that and realized I, again, completely separately, had a passion for working with computers. I don't know why, I, it was a natural uh, evolution. And I ended up coming out of that role and realizing I could put the two together by teaching people how to use computers. It, it, again, completely separate. It changed again as I then led me to a consulting agency, which I was teaching people how to use computers and they gave me an opportunity, which led me to healthcare. And I realized, and that's where I've spent the rest of my career at that intersection between healthcare and technology. And that's really fueled the rest of my journey. And I feel it, again, each of those experiences led me down a path that led me to being able to lead Zillion today.
1: It's really interesting when I talk to to women like you, CEOs, C-suite directors, so many of us have started our careers in one way and, and with some hopes and some dreams and some goals and ended up on the surface or at face value in a very different field but then when you really look underneath the surface as you've just described you know you started off well caring you said you wanted to do it was all about care for you so the psych education little bit of business you said you were doing a little bit of business but ultimately you it has in some ways come the full circle hasn't it really so you're really doing what you started out to do
2: i think so it's funny if i think about how my goals have changed and they really have changed over time what I wanted to do didn't really change. I always liked helping people. Mm-hmm. I always liked solving hard problems and seeing patterns in those problems to make things better. I always liked listening to people and understanding what they were trying to accomplish and helping them accomplish that. Those are threads that go through all of the different phases of my career.
1: Yeah, and, and so when we're, we're setting goals and some of the conversations I have and we have with women around goal setting, it's it's less around... Some of the conversations we have, it's it's less around the position or the role, but it's really about saying what is it that I really care about at the core of me. For you, that's around care and people, and then how do I how do I make sure that, as you've said, that threads all the way through my career. So really getting clear about your purpose your core goals, your own personal mission, and then letting, almost not letting your career pan out, but, but ensuring that that's part of the, I guess it's part of the criteria, right? When you, when you're looking or, you know, looking to make career decisions, particularly when they're really big career pivots as you've talked about.
2: Yeah. It, it, as I think back at the time, each one individual decision feels purposeful. Like that makes sense. It's the next thing to do. But, but it, it, when you look at it as a whole, it, it does become this winding path that leads you to in a direction that sometimes feels almost self-propelled if you're willing to let yourself take that risk, let yourself kind of see it in that moment that it's the next opportunity for you. If you try to plan too far ahead, um, it doesn't always work that way. So there's not, nothing wrong with planning, but you have mm. to be willing to diverge from that goal, I think diverge from what you thought was the next right step and realize that this different step might exactly lead you to where you need to be.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more as someone who has also, well, I've had a very non-linear career and do a whole bunch of different things, but they're all anchored in in what I, to to your point, what I really care about. And I, I think it helps to really get in touch with that, like you did very, very early on to say, you know, this is the stuff that I really care about. And every time an opportunity, as you said, it may it may feel like it's being self-propelled, but for someone who's very in touch with who they are, what they bring and what they stand for, it's it, not that it doesn't matter, but it almost doesn't matter what the role is, as long as those things are anchored in. And I really, um, I think it's a great way to be. Because they always, had to. oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead.
2: I was gonna say always trying to find meaning in what you're doing. I felt most fulfilled and 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 happiest in the roles where there was some meaning. For me, that that made sense. It it wasn't just teaching people to use, you know, Microsoft Word back in the day when that was brand new out there, but it was actually helping people who suddenly were in a position where they had to learn Microsoft Word or their job was on the line and making mm. it so that they weren't afraid that they were able to. Approach it with with a little bit of humor, a little bit of joy, and be able to to put the fear aside. So I think I've done that. You know that's another one of those threads throughout my career. it's It's being able to find the purpose in what you're doing and use that purpose to satisfy your own needs.
1: yeah, I, and the finding that that purpose and and sometimes we do have to stop and dig a, a little deeper uh, to find mm-hmm. that, but i I, I often think. If I look back over my career, the times when I felt, you know, on paper, there's this great job and, you you know, it's got the, you know, the right kind of dimensions across a whole bunch of parameters, yada, yada, yada. But there's something missing, and you, and you think, oh, on paper this is perfect for me, but I'm not happy. It's it's not ringing all my bells here. And yep. when you think about it, it's 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 you can't find the meaning, or you've got a values misalignment. And it's so important. You know, we spend a lot of time at work, right? <laughs> even even more than perhaps I don't know than we did many many years ago. And I think if you if you're working without purpose and without meaning, it makes it it makes it a real slog, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's important. Sometimes you have to admit it to yourself. You think that it's the perfect job and you get into it and you realize that there isn't the meaning, there isn't the the fulfillment that you can get out of it. And if you just, you dig and you can't find it, you need to think about, you know, maybe it's not the right position. It's not the dream position you thought it was. And there's no harm or shame in that. It's you've learned a little bit more about yourself and you're ready for your next
1: adventure. Yeah, 100%. And that that self-awareness, that EQ is, is so important.
0: You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link.
1: Hey, I want to want to talk about the C-suite now, or you know, getting into those those roles that you've occupied for quite some time, um, Cheryl. And we know that, and it's interesting because when you, when you talked about, you know, I, I had this education which was psych uh, education, and you, and you said your words a little bit of business, mm-hmm. um, and here you are now as a as a CEO, a president. You've held C-suite roles for a couple of decades. We know that for women, or anyone, but particularly obviously I work in enabling and empowering and uplifting women. So we know that for women to ascend to the C suite, they must have and demonstrate their business strategic and financial acumen. Given what you've told us and your your career, which has has really soared, when did you become aware of the need to have and demonstrate? that acumen, that business strategic and financial acumen?
2: Yeah, it, 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 thinking about that, it, it's funny. I think in my early career, that wasn't something I was conscious of or paying attention to. I think as a, a fairly young consultant out you know, working in one of my first assignments, I realized that I had some business acumen and I even had the strategy. It felt like it kind of came natural to me, but the financial piece didn't always do the same. Um, I could plan, I could strategize, I could make budgets, meet them, beat them. But when I started talking about financial planning, I started talking about understanding the role of the, the strategy around finances. It made me freeze, to be quite honest. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that you, are, you are absolutely not alone,
1: I can tell you. <laughs>
2: there are a lot of, 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 of individuals, but especially a lot of women out there that think, I just hate that stuff. It makes you know, my eyes cross and, and it's not interesting. But the fact is, you, you do need to be able to bring some of that to the table. And I realized I needed to have that piece if I was really going to be successful in that role. Um, I had a client that needed to, and needed me to be able to understand the financial implications of the decisions that were being made and how they were doing towards those decisions and what we suggested for the overall improvement in health of the business. And I I just, it was the last thing I wanted to do. And I, I remember very specifically, I spent a full evening working through calculations and trying to understand it, looking things up and Googling things and asking questions. And at some point during that evening, I realized this actually shouldn't be this hard. I needed to just relax. I needed to think about it differently. It's not something that's some distant thing I can't understand. I understood the business. I needed to just take a breath and start thinking about it logically and figure out you know, what I needed to do. And if I didn't know, I shouldn't be embarrassed to call someone who did and ask for help. And that was really a huge turning point for me is that it didn't have to be just all on me. It wasn't something that was out of my reach, but something that I really could understand and what I didn't, I could get help with.
1: That's quite amazing. So you didn't have the like, oh, I've been caught out moment. You had that, oh, I need to pay attention to this. As you said, you, you're like many women, and and I count myself in that uh, in that group as well, who actively avoided numbers, but then at some point said, shivers, I'm 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 not going to progress right. I'm I'm not going to go any further in my career in fact for you it's it, it sounds to me it sounds like you weren't actually going to achieve mastery in the role that you were in unless you started to pay attention to this stuff um and the other part is but paying attention also means don't be too proud to ask for help so find that person whether it's a mentor a technical mentor your finance person a, a, you know a, a work buddy who can help you become better who was that person for you, or, or or the people who who helped you, and how did they help you?
2: So so at the time, I, I I realized that night, and it was a very specific night that I can remember, that I wasn't going to be able to have the assignments that I wanted to have, and be able to to move in and up in the organization if I didn't have some of this background and feel confident in my skills, and I definitely wasn't confident. There was somebody I worked with who actually wasn't assigned to the same project I was at the time. His name was John. I will never forget him. And I picked up the phone and I called him. I was on a West coast project. He was on the East coast. So it was even later where he was and just said, okay, I know I should know this, but I'm going to fess up. I don't, I don't understand what I'm trying to do here. Can you help me? Can you just walk me through? I think I'm missing one piece. And he was wonderful. And he said, no, 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 it's this, it's this, don't worry about that, you're focused here. And just help me see that I actually probably knew most of the answer. I had just locked up. I had just, I let the fear overtake me when it didn't need to. And even though I, I still to this day am not the best financial accountant that you will find, I do understand how to ask the questions and I do understand how to find the people to help me get the answers. And um, know enough that I can question it, but not so much that I'm just off doing it by myself. And that was the big aha for me is this is not just on me. Um, I have to surround myself with the right people, know enough, and be willing to ask questions.
1: I What I really, really appreciate about what you've just said is your absolute authenticity in saying, even as a president and CEO, I I still would not say or project yourself as being the whiz uh, with the numbers. Mm -hmm. But what you have done, and I'm I'm thinking about some advice I got when I was doing my MBA, what you have done is you've, number one, surrounded yourself with the right people, but also you know the questions. You know the questions to ask. You know how to put up your hand and say, I don't understand this. Help me more or or explain it better. And that's... uh, do you think that gets in the way? And I, I'm actually taking gender out of it now. Do you think that there's a, a, a need? For leaders, particularly as they become really senior, do they get into that that mindset? I'm kind of asking a closed question, but that mindset of I've got to kind of pretend I know it all. Is, is well, that a thing? <laughs>
2: that that's a thing, and I think that's a. Th- and when you see that thing. Um, You will find that there's a very different culture. There's a very different uh, mindset in the organization and it can actually cost an organization their success because of that. Um, If you get to the point where you think you know it all and you don't need anybody else, um, it becomes a, a, a place that I don't think can really thrive. No one person knows it all. And the moment you think you do, you fooled yourself and you put your whole business and your whole team at risk.
1: at least that's my uh, personal thought uh look i'm 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 pretty close to to your view and 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 the work i do in diversity inclusion and and belonging um and particularly around uh gender equity and and you know some of this stuff is is complex and messy but i always say i think it is actually is quite simple we've just got to treat all humans with with dignity and respect but what I sometimes find and I, I really try and get ahead of the curve with particularly c-suite executives say I, I get that this is not your area of expertise and that's okay but please don't pretend you know it because you don't <laughs> you don't right. you know, if, if I'm looking at a, a room full of uh, you know let, let's call it men and they're saying look we think we know what to do about uh, closing the our, our leadership gender gap or creating a great workplace for women I'll say, I kind of want you to stop and the first thing I'd like you to do is shift your mindset to say, this is not my area of expertise. Because guess what? I don't have the lived experience. <laughs> Please let's yeah. listen. Or as to your point, surround ourselves with, with experts. But that humility and not being too proud to say, hey, I'm, you know, I, I need help here or I'm I'm gonna have the, the people around me is just so important in leadership. And it reminds me of, as I said, I was doing corporate finance in my MBA. And I've got to say, I, I loved every minute of it and I hated every minute of it because it was really stretching me. You know, I thought, when am I ever going to need to work out your net present value and the weighted average cost of capital, blah, blah, blah. However, (laughs) my, uh, my lecturer, she, she was mathematics. She was actually 75 years old mathematics, genius. Eileen, her name was, she said, Michelle, I know you've got a pained look on your face. I said, yes, that's because I'm in pain, because this is painful. And she said, you don't have to know the ins and outs of this, but what you do have to do as a, as an executive, as a CEO, is be able to hold people to account. And that means understanding where to probe. She said, "Don't, you don't have to go in and out of all these calculations once you're in your role, but you have to know the questions to ask. So exactly like your advice know the questions to ask, surround yourself with the right people. Don't be too proud to ask for help because that was me. I just kept saying, oh, can I stay back after class? I need some more help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was really
2: about letting go of the fear of being discovered as a quote unquote fake and realizing that it's okay that you don't know everything and that you just surround yourself with people who can can support you. You don't have to be an accountant to understand finance and its implications for your business. But realizing that you add value in your experience and your thoughtfulness around any subject, I will say, except maybe surgery, then I really (laughs) want to make sure you know what you're doing. But other than that, if you know what questions to ask and and how to surround yourself with people and you let go of that fear, the whole thing changes and it's a different tone and tenor. And you can lead Mm. with confidence with what you do know and your ability to support the team that's around you.
1: Yeah and the other uh, what well, I also want to explore that other point that you made around the impact that that style of leadership that proud I know everything I'm you know I'm invulnerable type of leadership has on a an organization's culture because your culture at Zillions very special and you know that that takes really great leadership and here at at leaders all we talk about putting on your mantle of leadership every day and assuming that mindset that you've just talked about I am yes I I have a role that means I I make some different decisions to other people in the company but at, at the end of the day I'm the leader here and I've got to be humble and authentic and vulnerable know my stuff all that kind of stuff in every interaction and every situation and for me I I'm a bit of a sports nut. So I think about putting on the mantle of leadership as a bit, bit like game face for sport. You know, you've got to have game face on. You're in the game, you're in the zone. So how how does that work for you at, at Zillion, Cheryl? And at, what is your leadership mantle? You know, what is the leadership culture um, and the broader culture that you've created at Zillion and how?
2: Sure. Thank you for the the compliments on our culture. It's something I am actually very proud of. And actively work on all the time, uh, it's important. So when I think about kind of getting ready and and taking on the role, it's for me, it's about showing up every day and not just calling it in. So showing up is is being fully present. So I need to be ready to listen, to understand, to ask the right questions. And those questions I ask, hopefully empower those on my team. I wanna provide direction and vision But I want to then give them the tools for them to see their way to success. I think believing in them and what I say and do sets the stage for everybody else so that they can not only empower, I am empowering them, but they're empowering each other and that they're showing trust and collaboration. But not to be mistaken, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. Mm -hmm. And I hope my team knows always that I have their back and I won't walk away from that responsibility. Sometimes there are decisions that have to be made and it's not always a uh, a group think. I will listen, as I said earlier, I will take in all of that information, but I know that I have to sometimes own those hard decisions and be willing to make them um, because it's not always fair to make somebody else or to pass that buck on to somebody else.
1: Yeah, and if it, it, and if you were thinking about Let's let's have a you know a, a scenario. So you've got someone coming into Zillion for the first time. They're in a leadership role, and you know how what would you say to them about this is what characterizes characterizes leadership in our company. So yeah, I, I get you know the CEO and the president, the buck does stop with you, and you you do have to own those hard decisions, and there's stuff that you have to do that others don't. But as a leader in Zillion, and of course, and, and uh, you know, more broadly, <laughs> the women leaders across the world who are listening to this, what do you tell them about the privilege of leadership? You know, What do you tell them about this is how you show up?
2: It's interesting. I actually meet with everybody who comes in is new to the organization I like to kind of had I
1: kind of had a sorry to interrupt but I kind of had a feeling that that might be the case I didn't know for sure <laughs> but I, I I just had a feeling knowing what I know about your company and the culture I thought I bet you any money you're pretty hands-on with this so I'm I'm sitting here smugly pleased with myself that I was right <laughs> you are right I meet with
2: everybody that comes into the organization we do a lot of things to you know, especially in in this remote world, do a lot of things to try to to uh, help people uh, feel more comfortable and understand the culture and what we do. But I do meet with everybody, and we talk a little bit about what it is to be a leader resilient because I will say leadership is not just positional authority. It's a lot about how you show up. It's a lot about being willing to make decisions that are are within your boundaries to make not to be afraid to make a decision. And a lot of times being afraid to make a decision comes from being afraid to make a mistake. And I put that out there literally in people's first week that we are a high growth company. We have a lot going on and a lot is expected of you. And what you can't be willing to do is not make a mistake. Mm -hmm. If you're not making some kind of mistake, you're not moving fast enough. You're not being willing to put it all out there and 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 help us all achieve what we want to, but that nobody will ever yell at you for making a mistake as long as that mistake was made with the information, that the best information you have at the time, and that you are making a decision and that mistake was made in trying to do what you thought was in the best interest of the company. All I ask from people is that they own that mistake as soon as they're aware of it, say that they have the right to you know be smarter later and they've learned something, so that they wanna do something differently now. They come forward, they talk about it and they correct it. They have an idea of what to do to make it better. And then we make it better and we move on. I've not found anybody operating that way that does anything but ultimately succeed for themselves and for the company. And so I make Mm. it clear that mistakes are part of every day and that we just have to find them fast and fix them fast.
1: Scribbling away here, and I've just written down three things that you're a high growth organisation, mistakes are okay, but at the centre of that is kind of this little weird Venn diagram that I've done, at the centre of that is trust. So you've Mm -hmm. got a high trust environment, right? Because it is, you're trusting your people. You've given them the direction. Yes. But you've given them very clear direction. And so how do we build more trusting relationships, Cheryl, because, uh, beg your pardon, more trusting cultures, more trusting firms, because... I see trust, I was on a book launch yesterday around change and we talked about the fact that trusting organisations propel themselves forward. Low trust environments, low trust cultures do not, how do you change that? How do you, because you clearly got it. So where did it come from? How, how How do you create that? If you're giving the playbook to someone right now to say, this is how you create a high trust environment. What are those leadership behaviors that you really embody and and encourage?
2: Yeah, so I don't know if I have the answer for everybody, but I can say kind of it starts with our values. One of the things that we make sure everybody does, and and I have to do this by example, is assuming positive intent. Nobody Mm -hmm. wakes up at Zillion saying, I'm going to mess up today. I am going to somehow cause trouble for the company. Everybody is in it to help us all succeed. And so once we assume positive intent, I look at collaboration and, transforma- and transparency as being the next two things we really focus on. People need to work together. We don't work in silos. Information is only power when you share it. And then the transparency. Again, I am the first one to say, yep, I messed that up. Let's think about it and let's fix it. And I, you know, I model what we're doing and where we are and how we stand. And I think by being able to do that, it can make a difference in everybody else's behavior. And when everybody's acting in the same three ways that I just talked about, that trust starts to develop naturally.
1: Uh, I particularly appreciate assume positive intent and our leadership definition really says when we talk about engaging the greatness in others that means in every time every interaction every time and that's assuming that positive intent in assuming that 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 our people have that greatness in them and and I do I I love that people at Zillian and more broadly employees don't wake up and think how can I be a jerk today at work they, they right. wake up that's thinking right. i'm going to go to work and and we all do different things and we have we, you know, different things float our boats but I, whether someone's going to call me pollyanna for this or what but i just think most people that i've i've known over my 40-year career go into work to do stuff they don't go into work not to do stuff or to be a jerk so how to yeah that that's such a that assume positive intent seek out the greatness in others in, mm. in our language but I really like information is only power when you share it, yep. uh, because you know that collaboration is uh, often used a term often used. But how do we create it? Again, I come back to trust. And, you know, while we assume that great intent or that positive intent in other people, I'm going to give you this information. Let's share this information because together our collective brilliance is going to create a, a much better outcome. And, hey, it may end up being a, a, an oops moment, but at least we've given it a crack. And as you said, okay. high growth company, this is the stuff that we need our people to be doing all the time.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, the other thing is, th- the other thing I just want to make sure I point out too is feedback's really important and honest but kind feedback is important. Mm-hmm. I think it it's, there there's nobody, it's not acceptable at Zillion to rip someone apart, quote unquote. If someone, again, makes a mistake, if there's something that they need to learn or behaviors we want to change, we strive to provide feedback in the moment or as close to the moment as possible, but also that's honest and kind. not giving someone feedback doesn't help them get better and it doesn't help make us better as a a group. So, you know, that, that's just another mantra from, from a leadership perspective, you know, it's positive feedback, it's, it's honest feedback. And sometimes that's really positive feedback and sometimes it's constructive feedback about something Mm -hmm. they could be doing better, but it's kind.
1: Very much like that. Cause if we, I think the world would be a very, very different place. If we had a lot more, Kindness, compassion, and honesty in leadership more broadly and and you know just frankly, with humans to humans i i I hear stories and certainly have experienced some of this uh, in in my own career where you get some feedback and it's way down the track and you think, hang on a minute, I would have really appreciated that at the time when it occurred, not at my you know performance appraisal one year later or six months later. please you know be you're not doing me any kind of service by not giving me that feedback as you said positive or constructive because yeah. how can we keep developing I again I, I go to athletes and and one of my a woman I really admire uh, here in Australia Dr Brady O'Donnell um, she said once you know athletes are they are seeking feedback every moment because they know that a simple movement change or a lifting of the leg or a you know a you know a diet change that they want to be told what they're not doing right every moment because that that is quite literally what they're all about how do we as humans also seek out that feedback to say I want to be better please give me the feedback it's um it, it, there's something about the athlete's mindset which uh, which uh, I think we can all take on board as well absolutely I want to talk about one of the really big buzzwords of the last, well, certainly the last 10 years, maybe 20, transformation. Mm. Now, I call it a buzzword because I observe that transformation, particularly in organisations, is talked about a lot. I'm not sure that organisations necessarily are transforming, certainly not in a revolutionary way, but arguably perhaps evolutionary you said yourself that 2020 was a transformative year for all of us. But I know that for workers, uh, for employees, for for, for humans, most of that tra- or much of that transformation was forced upon us by the, the global pandemic. Yep. So when it comes to the transformation of organisations, what do you think is most needed from leaders, particularly if they're, if they're considering I need to really transform this organisation or a transformation initiative? What, what, what do they need to think about?
2: Oh, that's really interesting. I think, you know, in, in terms of, of the transformation, you, there's so many directions you can go here because there's so many ways organizations can transform. Um, when I think about, you know, Zillion and, and what we've been through in the last year or so, it's not just through the pandemic, but even starting before, we really wanted to become a high performing organization. We had, um, uh, an opportunity to do a little bit of a pivot internally of what services and and how we thought about what we offered. And there was a lot to that because it's, as a leader, you can have an idea of where you want to go, but if you're not clear, you don't communicate internally, not just externally about what your organization's about, you can't actually bring the organization with you and you find yourself fighting an uphill battle. I think that's what we did, is we really tried to look at what's the opportunity, what do we have that we can offer the world that we think matters? How do we want to offer that? And then as an organization, how do we get aligned to deliver that? So it was a lot about communication. It was a lot about education. It was a lot about being opportunistic and figuring out where we could make that difference. So I think organizations can transform, but it's not an, an easy. Simple formula that gets you there, otherwise, mm. it is a lot like shuffling the deck chairs around. It's just you're you're yeah. changing superficial things, but you're not really changing either the way your organization works or what you provide to your customers.
1: Mm. yeah, and, and i I do see and and perhaps you know there's a bit of cynicism, but you, there's some of that shuffling of the deck chairs, and I think I don't know. I feel like. Perhaps sometimes in business, we, we shy away from going too deep, um, which is obviously yeah. what is required uh, in a transformation. So, But particularly when you're talking about people and customers, what are we really doing to be in service um, of, of those two key stakeholder groups for a business? Hi, folks. Michelle Redfern here. Hey, I want to talk to you about how anyone at any level can wear the mantle of leadership. Traditionally, when a queen is crowned, she dons the mantle and takes the staff of royalty. These are symbols of elevated responsibility. But hey, you're lucky. You don't have to wait for someone to give you your mantle of leadership. You can don it yourself right now. And when you do, the path to advancement and a career that soars gets a little clearer. Based on No Ceiling, No Walls, our six-week program, Your Mantle of Leadership, is perfect for emerging leaders or if you're in a more senior position but have never had the benefit of leadership development, our course is for you. In the six weeks, we focus on foundational leadership skills, we brainstorm leadership challenges and opportunities, and we talk about the successful moves that you need to make to take you from career start into early and middle management positions. So I look forward to seeing you in your mantle of leadership, which you can find under courses in A Career That Soars. I want to now pivot into talking about your people, because one of the transformations that we saw in 2020 was the world's workforce was sent home to work, by and large, except if you know first responders and and, uh, essential services. So lots and lots of firms, uh, including a lot of my clients, are considering what the new workplace needs to be and how to best serve those customers and people that you were just talking about. So you're doing some interesting stuff around the workplace at Zillian for 2021 and beyond. Do you want to tell our listeners what that is? Sure. So
2: starting actually back a little bit at the beginning of 2020, so pre-pandemic, we started to think about the hard work that had to be done and and we were transforming the products and services that we brought our customers, but I had to really also look at our employees and what they were doing. And we Mm -hmm. went to a model in January that turned out to be very fortuitous. We went to a model called work your way, which meant that we had these two office locations, but we knew that commutes were getting very long. We had some people that were remote and not in either office and having a hard time being able to contribute equally to people who were in the offices. So we took a step back and decided, again, talking about trust, we were going to let people work the way that worked best for them, which meant on certain days they would be in the office, on certain days they'd be working from home, um, and that they all they needed to do was make sure that their manager knew where they were supposed to be so that if someone didn't show up at the office, we didn't worry that something happened to them on the way there. So they had their own set of accountabilities. They had to get their work done and work with the people they needed to but they could work where it made best sense for them and fit for their lifestyle or you know, their moment of that day. They had someone coming to their house to do a repair. It didn't matter if they worked from home or anywhere else. So in January of 2020, we rolled out that program and some people took advantage of it and some people were still a little leery. But in the middle of March, we shut down both of our offices and everybody went fully remote. So we were lucky because we had the tools, but we hadn't really tried it that way. And we just dove in. Well, yeah. based on all of our experiences in 2020, we've pretty much made the decision that in 2021, we are going to stay remote. We are, we've let go of one of our offices and the other one we're considering what to do with, but we are not going to be going back to a, a standard office environment. We are going to go pretty much fully remote mm-hmm. enable, to enable us to continue to serve our customers' the way that we have been serving them and our members. It provides us with a great deal of flexibility. People are meeting up all the time, whether it be on Zoom or on the phone, but not in person. It has created an equal playing ground for people around the country, and it has allowed us to have a much greater talent pool to hire from. We don't care where you sit. We care what you do and how you do it. And it has worked out tremendously well for us so far. It has required retooling a lot of our uh, tools that that we use. And I am uh, grateful for my team, especially uh, Nicole, who's my director of HR, because she has put in place programs. We call one of them um, Zmates. When we hire a new person in, we buddy them up with someone in a different group in the organization to work with them for six months, to meet with them offline, to make sure that they're connected to the right people and that they feel connected to the organization. We do social events during work hours with folks. So whether it's a trivia contest or we did a gingerbread housemaking contest with people and their families over the holidays, we do a lot of things to keep people connected.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: one of the things I'm also really proud of is we do something called water cooler conversations, which is to replace people running into each other in the lunchroom or by the water cooler in an office environment. So we bring people together who normally wouldn't talk to each other and me. So it's like four of us or five of us. And we spend an hour with no agenda talking about whatever they wanna talk about. So it gives me a chance to get to know everybody in the company and people who don't get to meet with these people all the time because they're only in meetings with certain people to meet with each other. And it gives us a chance to for me to hear ideas that people have or answer questions that they might not get to ask in any other setting or that they might be afraid to ask in a large setting. So it's just, it it tries to bring that office environment into the virtual world.
1: Wow. (laughs) So I was going to, I wrote down equal playing ground. How do you, how do you create an equal playing ground? But then you've said to me, you've got your Z mates or Z mates and the water cooler convos and those, you know, those really in, very very deliberate and intentional strategies to make sure that you you've, you are creating that equal playing ground so you by the time you finish speaking about it you, you'd answered my question and it's <laughs> I, I think it's just it's quite extraordinary because there are again but we're coming back to trust and you know what is it you've got it you've got an agenda you know you've got a, a you've got a very very clear strategy around what you're doing with the organization but you said retooling so really helping people understand that they are supported. But I think the other thing that's that you touched on as well is how much talent has opened up to you or two zillion as a result of that, because you're not geographically bound anymore.
2: Right. It's amazing. We now are in, I think, 22 different states throughout the United States that we have people sitting in. And I don't know that we have more than six or so, seven people maybe in any one state. It is, uh, it's been wonderful. It's also freed people up to be able to, to move. In the past, you had you know, uh, a couple and, and one of the person people worked for you and the other person got a job someplace else and they wanted to move with their spouse, of course, but that often meant having to leave a job that they loved. Now that doesn't have to be the case you want to move closer to family, you have a reason to be someplace different. It doesn't matter to us as long as you have a space to work, you have that commitment.
1: Yeah. It's it's great. And again, it's that trust, but you're also measuring your folks on the outcomes that they create for the organization, not on how often they kind of turn up and sit in front of a desk. It's, um. and I know that's a fairly binary way of looking at it, but this is this is one of the really key things i come back to that trust over and over again which is threaded all the way through this conversation so if i was just if i were to sit you down and i really would love to actually with a few of my clients who are ceos and and leaders who are really wrestling with what does our workplace need to look like and why and what what advice would you give those ceo clients of mine about going maybe not on the same journey as Zillian, but on a similar journey, what what would be the first things or, or the first few things they should pay attention to?
2: I think it, it started for us with communication. They want to hear from leadership. They want to understand what leadership's thinking and the role that as individuals in the company they play and what your vision of that looks like. And not just for your customers and not just, while it's important to know the financial vision and the goal of the company, it's also important to know what your vision is of the culture and what's important to you because you have to embody that and you're wanting your organization to embody that. And if they don't know, they're guessing and a good 50% of the time they're going to guess wrong. So I Mm -hmm. think it starts with communication and that then starts to breed the trust that, that we keep coming back to, and then giving people a chance to be valued players. You know, it's, it's that leveled playing field. Does everybody have a chance? Can everybody see how literally what they do every day connects to the overall vision and success of the company? And that's yeah. where we started from. And the rest of it kind of came from there.
1: Yeah, because and and especially a, a two-way feedback or, or multiple-way feedback, you know, a bit like an omnichannel. It's um, you want to be getting that feedback going all sorts of different ways, so that you're, I guess, learning, growing, and getting better together. I'm very conscious that we, uh, as always, I could keep talking to you as a, as a guest for for ages, but you're a busy woman. So, final couple of questions. Sure. What's the best career advice you've ever received? The
2: best career advice I have received, I think it was, don't let fear guide your decisions. If I think about it, if if you're afraid of making that mistake, if you're afraid you don't know what you're doing, it, you can't live in that fear. You have to live in your own confidence that you will make the best choice and that you And I say it all the time to myself, and someone originally said it to me. You reserve the right to be smarter later, that you're going to make that decision based on what you know today. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: that if you learn something later on, don't be afraid to to say, I I was wrong and I need to do something different. And I think when someone really we talked about that, it freed me in a lot of ways to be more my authentic self and to be willing to. To not get paralyzed by those fears.
1: Yeah, great advice. <laughs> There's so much in that. What about what is the best career advice you can offer to the women listening to this call?
2: It's similar vein, right? I think it's be brave, believe in yourself, don't let your own self talk stop you from taking a chance, and then find those people that inspire you and learn from them. It will be amazing when you look back. The people that you kind of take with you internally. think about it in my heart and in my mind that can support you. so so find those that inspire you and learn from them.
1: Awesome. Cheryl, it's been a delight talking to you and learning more about you and and the great workplace that you have created and sustained at Zillion. So I guess you know to summarize, we've heard about you as a person who cares a lot and you've always wanted to care and and uh, you found purpose uh, and meaning in the work that you you've done. You've had a career. You had career pivots. Mm-hmm. You've identified you're missing thirty three percent and closed it. But the things that really stood out to me from our conversation were trust. Trust is essential for creating that high growth, positive um, culture organization. You assume positive intent with people. You share information because you're only powerful when you share information. You create equal playing grounds. You give honest but kind feedback and mistakes are okay. And I think that's a great recipe for any of our listeners who are leaders and aspire to be CEOs and presidents just like you to say, this is is a great recipe to create a high performance, high growth, inclusive organisation. So Cheryl, thank you very much for for being with me today. I appreciate it. And um, well, go Zillion.
2: Oh, thank you very much. It was great to be here.
0: Thank you for downloading Lead to SOAR. We so appreciate your support in the form of subscribing, rating and reviewing the Lead to SOAR podcast. We especially appreciate when you share Lead to SOAR with friends and colleagues. Lead to Soar is hosted and produced by Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher. To get in touch with either, visit michelleredfern.com and melbutcher.com. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at soar.com. Until next time, stay focused and lead on.